Hello, 49ers fans. Welcome back to the Talking Touchdowns podcast. Steph and I have been off the pod for a couple of weeks. Hello, Steph. Welcome back. Hey, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. Uh, we are very, very excited to have Chris Biederman from Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group joining us today. Hi, Chris. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. Good, good, good. Of course. <laughs> um, getting excited for a little free agency action. I think the 49ers will be seeing more action. Well, we've, I think the 49ers have actually already seen more action um, in free agency than we've seen uh, in several years. Uh, so let's talk about it. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday. Tori Smith has been released by the 49ers, which in some ways was surprising and in some ways really wasn't surprising at all. Chris? Take it away. Well, what do you want me to do on Tory Smith? Yes. I mean, so you look at Tory Smith's two years, and and I think there are two lines of thinking. You could say, well, he wasn't utilized correctly. He didn't have good quarterback play. Um, the coaching wasn't particularly good in his two seasons with Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly. Or you could say. Torrey Smith didn't play very well, um, and he wasn't able to beat man-to-man press coverage very often, um, and he wasn't worth the money that he got. And I think there, I think you know both can be true in this case. I, I think the 49ers' offense was bad, and I thought Torrey Smith didn't play particularly well. And it's it's pretty interesting when you look at you know Trent Baalke, his most notable draft miss uh, of his tenure with the 49ers was AJ Jenkins. And then he gets fired ultimately because one of, I mean, one of the reasons was because of his inability to, to find playmakers on the outside and the most expensive free agent he ever brings in with the 49ers. Torrey Smith got a five year, $40 million deal, leaves the team after a 27 catch, you know, 200 and whatever yard season. Um, so it just goes to show that he, you know, it it it's, it doesn't look great for Trent Baalke in the aftermath of of uh, of the Smith thing, and and it was a little bit surprising considering, you know, when Smith was there, they really needed receivers. So you know, I, I thought that the 49ers would keep Smith around and and see if he could provide that deep threat with Kyle Shanahan and and you know be a veteran voice for the the receiving core that's going to have a lot of turnover this offseason and, and presumably some young guys some draft picks coming in so it was a little bit surprising but I, but I think there's logic behind it and and the fact that he was released and not traded at any point kind of signals that other teams didn't think he was worth the contract that he had he was going to be due about 9 10 million dollars this year um, that's what his cap it was going to be with bonuses and all that. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it. You know, the 49ers looked at it like he wasn't productive enough to warrant that kind of money, and, uh, and it was time to move on. I agree. I I agree. It was just one of those things when you first saw it. I was like, oh wow, and then I thought about it, and I was like, this makes perfect sense for all the reasons um, that Chris just touched upon. Um, so onward and upward, this team needs a quarterback. This team needs receivers. This team needs a lot. Uh, but let's start with the quarterback position. Um, Chris, I'd like to start with you, and then Steph, Steph would like to hear your thoughts on what you think is going to happen there. Is it going to be, are they going to sign someone huge in free agency and draft? I mean, what do, you, what do you see happening? This Glennon thing confuses me, but I think that's also the state of quarterbacking in the NFL. 
Well, Matt Mayoko just reported uh, live breaking news that the 49ers are not interested in Mike Lennon. So maybe we could cross his name off the lengthy list of quarterbacks that they presumably would be interested in. Um, yeah, so the 49ers have exactly zero quarterbacks. So they're going to probably bring in at least three and possibly four. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, it was reported last week that Kirk Cousins is Kyle Shanahan's top choice, which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. given that Shanahan drafted Cousins, uh, even despite taking Robert Griffin the third in 2012. Um, Cousins led the NFL in completion percentage two seasons ago. He was third in yardage last year. I think in Shanahan's system, he could be the quarterback that gives the 49ers the most upside immediately. Um, he's in his prime. It wouldn't take a ton of time developing him in terms of his familiarity with the system. He would obviously be well ahead of any rookie that would come in. So I think Kirk Cousins would probably be choice A, but the 49ers don't have to get Kirk Cousins this offseason because it's been pointed out numerous places. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch each have six-year deals, so they're not going to be in a rush um, to, to put all their eggs in the Kirk Cousins basket now by trading trading for him, which probably would require a first or second round pick when they could probably get him in free agency next year mm-hmm. because he's unlikely to sign a long-term deal with Washington and he's probably not going to get franchised for $34 million for a third straight year next season. So, um, you know, there's Mike Lennon was rumored. It's, it sounds like that's not going to happen. I think Brian Hoyer is a, is a real possibility who worked with Shanahan in Cleveland. Um, Tyrod Taylor, if he gets cut by Buffalo, uh, might get a look. Um, I think the 49ers are, are obviously going to be heavily invested in scouting these guys in the draft. I don't know that they're going to use the, the second overall pick on a quarterback, but I think 34 is definitely in play when you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Kaiser. Um, if Mitchell Trubisky falls that far, maybe he gets some consideration. So, um, I mean, they have to bring in four. So I, I'd imagine all their options are going to be on the table, whether it be tr- trade if if the Denver ends up getting Tony Romo, uh, maybe they move Trevor Simeon, who could be an intriguing option because he has a season of starting experience. He's still only 24, and he has you know less than a million and a half on his on his contract over the next two seasons. So they're going to exhaust every option it seems like, and and they have to fill four spots. Steph, do you have any thoughts on quarterbacking? I mean, not well, generally I, about on this bump for the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I'm not, and I've stated this, like, I, I, Kirk Cousins doesn't make a lot of sense for me for what he's making this year. I just can't see the 49ers pulling the trigger this year for that price. Um, I think he stays put this year. I mean, I, of course, anything's on the table, but that's a lot of money to spend um, for basically a transition-type quarterback I don't think he's maybe maybe he could you know come next year I agree with that 100 percent that next year makes more sense for a lot of reasons and if they're really going to go get him at that point that they definitely have a lot to go after but I think this year is going to be just a you know a year where they are going to probably draft a few people I like Nate Peterson from Pitt and um I think I think that he, they can get him in the third or fourth, and we've seen that work with other teams, that they get somebody that's good enough, that can get bigger in the NFL, that plays a current NFL-type offense, and they kind of just run with it this year and hope to make it 
better transition next year and keep building with what they have. But I just don't see it happening this year. But I think they're going to, like Chris said, I think they're going to draft. I think they're going to try to get as many people as they can and just see what happens. I used to feel that way with Kirk Cousins in terms of money. I don't really feel that way anymore because the 49ers do have a lot of money to spend. And I don't really look at him as a transition-type quarterback. I do think if they bring in Kirk Cousins, they plan on him being the quarterback for quite some time. But I agree with Chris that to give up that much capital to trade for him doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for this year when they could get him next year in free agency. Um, But I guess it'll depend on what they decide to do. Brian Hoyer is an interesting option. Um, That could be a good transitional quarterback. Um, This is totally speculative, but Chris, do you feel like if they do bring in a Brian Hoyer and then they do draft somebody, do you think Kirk Cousins ends up never being a 49er? Do you think Brian Hoyer becomes the transitional quarterback this year? They develop the young guy and then they put him out there to be the franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine that if if they brought in Hoyer, I think he's 31, he would probably get a two- or three-year deal. And obviously, if you draft somebody, he's he's under contract for four years. So I don't think anyone, if they bring in someone like Hoyer, it wouldn't preclude them from potentially adding Cousins in 2018. And I think that's what the 49ers can tell Washington, and that's why it might not cost them a ton in, in trade compensation to get Cousins this offseason. Just because they could say, like, well... We don't need him right now. Like you guys need to trade him more than we need him. So we'll give you, you know, a conditional mid-round pick. Maybe start. It starts with a third, and and if he starts 16 games and goes to the Pro Bowl, it turns into a second or something like that. Um, so th- they're going to operate from a point of leverage because they have six years uh, with no offset language in their deals. That means they're going to get the money on their contracts no matter what, which is kind of a huge deal if, if you look at it if they if they get fired and join other teams you know the 49ers under normal circumstances would be off the hook for for those contracts but because there's no offset language the 49ers basically guaranteed uh all the money to john lynch and, and kyle shanahan in those deals so kyle shanahan and john lynch pretty much have more security than anybody in the nfl right now and they can say look we're not in a hurry to get Kirk Cousins, and you guys need to trade him because if you don't trade him, he's just going to sign with us in free agency next year and we'll get him for free. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that, that is going to be talked about this spring and, and in the summer if, if Cousins doesn't sign a long-term deal with Washington. And, and if you read everything coming out of Washington, it doesn't sound like they're anywhere close to, to a long-term deal. And it sounds like things are really precarious in that organization right now. Do you think that has any effect on this, or is that just... A side story for our purposes. Uh, I think I think it certainly has an effect on it, but I don't know. It, it it sounds like with with everything that's going on with Scott McLuhan that he's not a big Kirk Cousins guy anyway. So you know if he's on his way out, and and that's purely speculative, but he wasn't at the combine, um, and he's going through some personal issues. It sounds like you know I, I don't know how much bearing that has on uh, on their front office situation, and it could be a scenario where. You know, if they're going to go uh, undergo a regime change in their personnel department, that maybe it would be better to have a clean slate at quarterback rather than be tied to Kirk Cousins long term and then bring a new GM to have to work with Cousins when that GM might not want to. So that sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a familiar, very familiar story. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so. Um, 
let's move on to, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about wide receiver, and then, Chris, I definitely want to get your thoughts on kind of where what you think is going to happen in the next several days of free agency. Um, but, so wide receiver, um, obviously Jeremy Curley just signed a three-year deal, which is great, but they still now need a number one and number two wide receiver. What are your thoughts on Alshon Jeffrey? My, I feel like there are a lot of concerns there, and it would not be my first choice to sign him, but I would love to get both of your thoughts there. Steph, go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, I... I don't think that he's a, he would be, like you said, there's a lot of off-field concerns. I think that there's, uh, you know, it kind of detracts from what the 49ers have said or, and gone for it. I know that, um, you know, there's even, uh, here's the thing is, he's like one PED suspension away from being, you know, <laughs> out uh, of the league for, you know, being suspended. So, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a gamble. And for that kind of money that he wants or purportedly wants, I just think that that's just not the way the 49ers need to go. I mean, I'm, I'm more disappointed because I, I said this even last year that adjacent to Torrey Smith, there should have been somebody that, you know, and I know we had Curly, but I just thought there was somebody that we should have, be able to throw the ball to so that he could get downfield. He's always worked well in that sort of situation. He did it with Antoine Bolden. He did it, it you know, in Baltimore that way, but he needs somebody adjacent to him. And it's just, I feel kind of, you know, upset because I think there was a time when we could have, you know, signed or drafted uh, a good uh, wide receiver that would go up and make plays and, you know, take some of the heat off of Torrey Smith. And um, that didn't happen. So they definitely, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed for them even drafting a wide receiver at two. I think that that's something they they need to do and focus on. I mean, it's just a, if they can get somebody, um, you know, in free agency, that'd be great, but I don't think Elson Jeffrey is it. No, I'm much more into Terrell Pryor, but Chris, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think Pierre Garçon would make a ton of sense. I think it would be kind of similar to the way, you know, he's a similar player. Obviously, he's he hasn't had the career or the overall production of Anquan Bolden, but Pierre Garçon is a similar type player. And he had the best season of his career in 2013 when Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator in Washington. I think he had 113 catches and 1,300 yards that season. So I think he would make a lot of sense. I think he could he could be had reasonably cheap, mm-hmm. um, particularly if the 49ers bring in Kirk Cousins. It, it, you know, obviously that would be a pretty quick, they, they wouldn't have to deal with, you know, chemistry issues or, or things like that. And I think our son would be, um, would be a guy who could provide a little bit of veteran leadership to, to the young receiving core like we talk about. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I, the 49ers sound like they're going to be in on Terrell Pryor. I'm curious to see you know, how much money he gets, whether it's with San Francisco or another team. It sounds like he's going to command 10 to $12 million a year, which is pretty crazy considering he's been playing receiver for just two seasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and last year he did have 1,000 yards with Cleveland and that dumpster fire of an offense and, and quarterback situation. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting, but you wonder, you know, if it's a flash-in-the-pan type thing or, or if he's really, um, if he's going to be able to replicate that. For, for years going forward. And in terms of Alshon Jeffrey, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, he had two really good years, but he's he's been, you know, he's three years removed from, from being a 1,000-yard receiver, and he had the PED suspension for the final four games last year. 
Um, he's not, not a he's not really that fast. I, I I think some people would argue that he's actually slow for a receiver. Um, and you know you could have you could have a slow big body receiver like Jeffrey and still be fine. But I think you you the 49ers need an explosive element. I don't know that Jeremy Curley is necessarily that deep down the field. I think they, they need, you know, maybe someone like Torrey Smith, which was why I was a little bit surprising. Someone who could get downfield and someone who's, who's fast, um, and they still could add that player. But Jeffrey would be, would be an intriguing option. But if he's going to get or if he's going to command, you know, $14, 15000000 million a year, while the 49ers are, are trying to rebuild this thing, and if they don't have an established veteran quarterback like Kirk Cousins, then you're stuck with a high-paid receiver at the back end of his prime while you're trying to develop a quarterback. And you don't know if Jeffrey is going to be, if he's going to be happy with the scenario off, you know, if he's going to be a distraction in the locker room, if he's, you know, there, there are risks when it comes to paying someone like that that much money. So if, if you're rebuilding from the ground up, and want to take a long-term approach, then then you might be inclined to pass on somebody asking for that much money, rather than you know maybe giving someone like Pierre Garcon a reasonable deal for two or three years, who can who can be more of a mentor figure, and um, and be a part of that transition rather than more of a you know a team that's trying to win now might be more inclined to sign Jeffrey than a team like the 49ers, just given the the state that you know they're rebuilding. I like Pierre Garcon. I actually wrote about that the other day for Niners Nation, and I think he would be a really good fit. Agree with you, especially if he bring they bring in um, Kirk Cousins, and he did have his best year under Shanahan. So I think that makes a lot of sense as well. I mean, this team just has so many needs. They have to be, and yes, they have a lot of money, but you still want to be strategic and smart about the way you rebuild a team, as we've seen right. from the past. Um, so, Chris, are there any names that you feel like are going to be big splashes for the 49ers this free agency period? It's tough to say. Um, you know, you really don't know, just given John Lynch's no track record as a, as a general <laughs> manager, you don't know how enticing the 49ers are going to be for these free agents. I mean, what they, what they did do before, you know, last month, they were able to get Kawan Williams, who had a market. They were able to get Earl Mitchell, who met with four or five teams before picking San Francisco, and and he, you know, he said that the 49ers treated him like family, and and you know, he said all of that kind of stuff. But it could be a scenario where the 49ers just offered more money. Uh, so sounds it's better be to say to they say. treated you like family. <laughs> to be like, they just gave me more money. Anyway, sorry, Chris, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how much the 49ers are willing to spend. Uh, and who they're willing to spend it on. I think there are guys, you know, Dante Hightower, for example, the, the linebacker and, and defensive end type player from New England makes a ton of sense. Um, he's versatile. He can play, you know, at the second level next to Navarro Bowman. He could he could put his hand in the dirt and, and rush the edge. I think he would be a, an interesting, versatile piece. Um, he's going to command a lot of money, and there's a decent chance that he ends up back in New England even after they didn't give him the franchise tag. So... Um, you know, there are lots of guys that would make sense, but I, I have a feeling that they might just go after more mid range kind of under the radar guys underneath the, the first tier of, of highly paid guys. I don't know that they're outside of maybe someone like Terrell Pryor, um, or Pierre Garçon. I don't, I don't know that they're going to make a ton of big splashes in free agency. I think this team is probably going to be more focused on sort of the middling free agents. 
um, guys that maybe Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff has experience with uh, to, to sort of set the foundation and, and build this thing through the draft because they're going to be in it for the long run. That makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. Um, combine just happened. I think we saw a lot of, you know, we saw a lot over this past weekend. Who, who do you think they're going to take at number two? I mean, I think it's, it's so speculative and I feel like at this point over the last couple of years, we had a pretty good idea who they were picking first. And, um, from where I sit at the moment, I don't really have such a good idea of who they're, they're going to pick at number two. Uh, Steph, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that if, you can look at basically any any category, and the, I feel like San Francisco is dead last on, or close to dead last on, like, their inside linebackers, besides Navarro Bowman, but, I mean, they don't have a real, any depth. They have no, their interior linebacking corps just needs to be built, rebuilt, and, you know, I know their edge rusher is a need, and we're, they're starting on that, but then even the corners, I mean, we don't even know where Jimmy Ward's going to be or if he's moving to safety, and we you know, Tremaine Brock at one point was, you know, pretty good, but, you know, when he played, I mean, he was burned pretty badly this last year, so that, the corners that need, wide receivers a need, I, and then, of course, you know, running back, it was somebody was saying that we would take it, number two, I think it was Matt Miller, and I just have a hard time thinking that the 49ers would pick up a running back at two, but, you know, I could be wrong when it's the first time, but I, I just don't see it, I don't see how 49ers would do that. Of course, I think uh, Miles Garrett would be a, a neat pick. I think it would be an interesting one. But um, there's so many needs that I'm even I'm even okay with them trading down to get more picks in one. So because there's so much to do, so many picks that are, that need to be made, and they have to hit on a, a, a few of these playmakers this season. Chris, what do you think coming out of the combine? Is there anybody that came to the front to you or for you? Well, I, I think Miles Garrett would be the perfect yeah. pick for them. If he's there. he solves a lot of their issues. But, yeah, he's probably not going to be there because he's probably going to go to the Browns. Um, so number two is becoming more and more of an interesting spot because you see kind of there have been guys that have been linked to that spot or believed to be, you know, surefire top five picks, and, and their stock might be dropping a little bit. You know, when you talk about, you know, Alabama's Reuben Foster and the fact he got kicked out of the combine for clashing with a hospital worker and, and he had to send out an email and letter to teams to, to, to talk about it and, and say he's available for meetings at his pro day on top of dealing with, you know, he had rotator cuff surgery that's going to keep him out till the summer. So with those two things in mind, is is he going to be a guy that you take with the number two overall pick and feel comfortable with it? Or, or do you think you could trade back if he's your guy could you trade back and get him in the in the ten to fifteen range? Um, the same with Jonathan Allen, the, the interior defensive lineman from Alabama. He has arthritic shoulders, and uh, and both shoulders required surgery at some point during his college career. And, and he was insanely productive, but you wonder if ultimately you know that's going to end up shortening his career on the back end. So is he going to be worth the number two overall pick, or could you get him later in the first round? Um, when I look at it. I don't know if any of the, if either of the receivers are, are going to be worth the number two pick. I think, um, and I wrote about it earlier this week. I think Malik Hooker from Ohio State, the the deep safety, would make a ton of sense if if the Forty ers are 
trying to build a, a Seahawks-like defense where they need some one guy on the back end with with really good range to to be that Earl Thomas type player. I think Hooker is is probably the best player as a center field safety in this draft. Um, so I, I think he would make a ton of sense, and then he's expected to be a top five pick. But he's also a guy who's co- he's coming off hip surgery, and and he didn't participate at the combine. But he's expected to be healthy pretty soon. And he actually played, if, if you remember, that ridiculous interception he had against Clemson. He was playing in that game with the injury. Mm-hmm. I think he had a torn labrum in his hip and, and a sports hernia um, that he played through. And, and he showed great range to, to make that play. So um, he seems like, you know, he only started for one year. But he seems like a guy who, who the 49ers should definitely consider considering the value of that position on the back end and all the range he had. He, he returned three interceptions for touchdowns and and he made some you know one-handed in one-handed interceptions and and he's you know super athletic and acrobatic and all that stuff so he could be a guy that's that that goes top five jamal adams the lsu safety is more of a strong safety type and i think the 49ers are they have plenty of strong safeties whether it's eric reed you know playing more of a strong safety role or jacquaski tart um i think they're better off there so i think right now Malik Hooker makes the most sense. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback with that number two pick. I think, like I mentioned earlier, they're probably going to use that 34th pick or maybe consider moving back into the back end of their first round for uh, for a quarterback if, if they want to. Or they could wait. If, if they end up getting Kirk Cousins, they could wait you know, until the third or fourth round and, and get someone like Davis Webb or, or Nate Peterman, like Steph mentioned, out of Pitt. Um, so they have, they have a lot of options. But for right now, I think... You know, and and this could definitely change. There's almost two months until the draft, but I think Malik Hooker makes the most sense for right now. Um, I would, although you know, it pains me to say it, Chris Biederman, um, I would agree with you on that point, um, unless, of course, Miles Garrett by some miracle is available. But yeah, Hooker uh, Hooker had a touchdown against Michigan. Yes, I'm aware. Thank you. Okay. I, I was actually so proud of you for not bringing that up in your explanation there. I was like, good for you, Chris Biederman, but that's okay. It's fine. It's totally Looking fine. Never no, I actually, in some ways, I would have been disappointed had you not. It would have made me sad. Um, of course you did. Don't worry. Just, I hope your girlfriend's enjoying the hat. Um, um, all right. So it's going to be, I think, a very interesting offseason for this team. It's going to be a lot more probably productive and um, exciting, for lack of a better word, than it has been over the last several years. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's a good point. There are almost two months until the draft, which I, I can't believe. I feel like we've been talking about it for so long. And there's still so far to go and so much can change dependent on what goes on really over this next month. So we shall see. Uh, Do either of you have any closing thoughts on the 49ers free agency period or the draft that you would like to share with our listeners? I think um, I have one thing to say. I think Lynch is going to be very good in free agency. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I could seriously listen to him all day. I could just like, I could spend hours listening to him. (laughs) He's just so cool and he's smart and he sounds you know says the right things and I think that in free agency I think he can be very um persuasive so I'm happy to see him I mean he's likable all the things you kind of want and I think he's motivating so I can I can totally see him you know definitely being more active in the free agency you know period than our um predecessor than his predecessor so I think it's exciting to see him 
do that. And I think he's going to be interesting to really see how he drafts. And I think he's definitely going to work, you know, in tandem with Shanahan. And I think it's going to be a really fun, interesting draft. So I'm excited about it. I'm glad that you could listen to him for a long time. So you're going to be listening to him quite a bit over the next several years. He's my favorite. I'm like, oh, I, he's like, he's just easy on my ears. It's <laughs> amazing. Chris? Yeah, I mean, to, to piggyback, piggyback off that point, I think one of the biggest issues with the previous you know, front office with Trent Baalke, Trent was not a people person. Trent didn't oh. really enjoy collaborating. Um, he, you know, I, for lack of a better term, he, he didn't just, he didn't have great social skills and he was a guy who just wanted to be on the road, scouting prospects, um, traveling all over the country in the film room, doing all that stuff. He's really a scout at heart. And I think what the 49ers realized probably too late was that he wasn't the best team builder. He wasn't the best face of face of the franchise. And what the 49ers really needed was somebody who was a communicator, who was a collaborator, um, to be, you know, a lot of people talked about the 49ers needing a a president of football operations, um, someone like that. And I think John Lynch, while his title is a GM, I think he's very much that personality that people thought the 49ers needed, what somebody who isn't headstrong enough to, like he, like John Lynch knows what he doesn't know, right? (laughs) He's smart enough to find guys to fill in the gaps um, right. from his inexperience. He brought in he brought in one of the league's better young personnel minds in Adam Peters because he never he's never worked in a personnel department before. So that was a good hire. He brought in a former GM in, in Martin Mayhew, uh, you know, just to make up for his administrative lack of experience. So these are all things that that I think are positive for now, and and it sounds like he's really trusting. And the people that are, are around him, which wasn't necessarily the case before with Trent Baalke. So I think that's positive, but, you know, it's so early in the process that it's it's really hard to tell if, if it's going to work long-term for the 49ers or not. Um, and they really need it to because, like I said, they signed these guys to six-year deals uh, and, and they have all of their eggs in the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan basket. So um, if it doesn't work and there aren't, immediate not immediate returns but if if it doesn't look like they're they're taking the right steps you know two or three years from now maybe jed york looks at these six-year deals that he signed and and realizes that he made a big mistake or the 49ers turn it around maybe they're they're middling you know seven eight nine wins next year possibly competing for a wild card spot but and then all of a sudden you know a couple good drafts and, and they're back uh, back competing for for division titles year in and year out. So who knows? It, it could go anywhere, but I, but I think the uh, the early returns have been positive so far. And there's some excitement surrounding this team, which there has not been for a really long time. And of course, there are a lot of unknowns. We don't know what Kyle Shanahan will be like as a head coach. Um, we, as you said, we don't know if the John Lynch experiment will work. But at the moment, all signs are pointing up. And at the moment, there's really been nothing. To go on, yeah. but but I think um, I, I think the decisions they've made thus far can inspire confidence, and we will see how the next several months go. But of course, we won't really know until September, which seems like a long way away. But we'll be here before we know it. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it really is great to have your expertise and your thoughts. You are a very knowledgeable person. So, thank you very much. 
Wow, thank you. It's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> well, even listeners, though you went to Ohio State. Even though you went to Ohio State, it just shows that every university can turn out someone great. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, everybody, have a great day. Go Niners. Go Niners. We won't make you say it, Chris. <laughs> Okay. He wants to. He's a Niner fan. All right, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. See ya.